Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hello, everybody. This is No Chick Flick Moments. I'm your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. And this is our Supernatural Watchcast. And moving right along with season 14, today we are talking about season 14, episode 12, Profit and Loss. Oh man, Remy, this was an episode that happened. <laughs> this, was, <laughs> this was an episode that happened. Um, it was written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming and directed by Thomas J. Wright. Uh, the description for this episode reads, Sam and Dean must figure out how to stop the bloodshed when Donatello, who in his current condition is inadvertently scrambling the order of the prophets. Oh, wait. Oh my God. There's so many commas. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) Quick, we're having an English lesson with this one, too. Oh, my God. Okay. Sam and Dean must figure out how to stop the bloodshed when Donatello, who in his current condition is inadvertently scrambling the order of future prophets. When Donatello... That's not a sentence. Okay. I stand by that. Okay. So, (laughs) Nick comes face to face with his past. Guys, it took me like three tries to get through that. I don't know how many I'm going to keep in with the edit, but (laughs) oh, boy. Anyways... This is an episode that happened, and it's a good episode. Um, by uh, B, I, I, I said to B earlier this, this summer when I knew that this episode was coming up, that this episode was definitely going to be my Bucklemming Bingo episode. So, yep. so I did, in fact, print out the Bucklemming Bingo, and as we go through, I'm going to mark off some of our squares here. I'll post to the Twitter and the Tumblr uh, where I'm pulling the Bucklemming Bingo. Some of you might be familiar with it, but it's basically some, you know, classic a, a bu- ribbing. It's a, it's a fun ribbing. It's, uh, it's just a bingo that has some classic uh, Bucklemming moves, some some Bucklemming cliches that we tend to see in some of the um the this particular duos episodes. And B, I didn't actually mention this before we started recording, but if you uh, 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 I wasn't joking about the Bucklemming bingo and I wasn't joking about the drinking either cuz we're we're playing sh- uh, <laughs> shots with every square. You should have told me. I'll go get my drink. <laughs> yes, you can. We can okay. definitely pause. Use, use your magic of editing. I'm going to go get it. And we're back. B, what are we drinking tonight? I have, for your ASMR pleasure, <laughs> <laughs> I have an Okanagan apple cider, black cherry flavored. Nice. See, I I decided to go full Winchester. I have a full flask of Jim Beam whiskey. Hot damn! <laughs> I've never I've never you're, you're going like flask. season seventeen here. I've never drank from a flask before, so there might be some uh, slurping and or dribbles. We're gonna find out. <laughs> I also have, and it is straight Jim Beam, which um I'm scared, but. <laughs> It, it was the only thing I had. Uh, uh, it was that or vodka. Actually, I do actually have half a pint of uh, Crown Royal uh, Regal Apple Canadian whiskey. Oh, wow. Um, and this one, you know, comes with some some nice ASMR. sloshing mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. your ASMR pleasure. But I, I'm going to, for, for, you know, for the peak Winchester aesthetic, you know, mood here, I'm going to I'm going to try to stick with the with the gym. 
That's very good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would do something similar, except I'm such a lightweight that I swear to God, this thing is like 5% alcohol and you will notice a difference <laughs> as I go on. Oh man, I tried to, I tried to pre, uh, there were definitely some dribbles there. Well, all right. <laughs> Getting a feel for it. It's okay. Yep. Yep. All Loosen right. Up. I'll save. Limbered up. I'll we save those this. For, for the bingos. All right. All right. So let's, <laughs> guys. We're going to be right good. In. We're going to be, be good. We're going to be good. We are. We're not going to be we're not going to be too salty. We we did we promise we're going to be good. But I, let's jump I don't right in. promise that you can promise. <laughs> but we all know. Okay, yes, I yeah, I promise yeah. to be good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, we start off it's underwater, bottom of the ocean, and ah. we can see the Moloch box there. And we zoom inside. Dean is pounding. He looks terrified. His nails are bloody and there's water dripping. And he's just filled with claustrophobia and regret. We saw this um, in the preview, right? Yeah, in the, the preview little sticker the episode, thing. This, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before this episode first aired. And we were all like, so the Malik box just happened. We just had that Malik box reveal. And then for the preview in the next episode, we see Dean in the Malik box. Yeah, like, so it was like, oh shit, you guys followed through? Oh shit, I know. And But um, you couldn't have followed through. We open up underwater and they are not pulling their punches here. Like they, they, we have this extended scene of mm-hmm. Dean, uh, just, just panicking, and it, it, oof, it feels really Kill Bill Volume Two to me. Like when she wakes oh, yeah. up in the coffin, the bloody fingernails, that whole thing. I was like, oof, yeah, got those vibes. Yeah, yeah, I got those chills. Yes. Um. And and Dean pulls out a phone and or he's he's using his phone as his like Light illumination source, yeah. yeah and and he's like you said he's regretting this choice that he has made and he's calling for Sam and it's just hard to watch I mean it's it's Dean it's Jensen it's and it's uh, yeah, he's he's acting the heck out of it yeah. Yeah, and uh, doing callbacks here, like, uh, maybe think of Kill Bill, but also made me think of season four, episode one, when he wakes yeah. up in the grave and is like, oh shit, I need to get out. And it's like, well, you're in Coffin 2.0. This one's made of metal. You're not going to have as much luck. Uh, and, and I know that it's a favorite in fic to kind of uh, 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 dig through dean's probable trauma from having to dig out of his own grave and so that's kind of something that we headcanon in dean and that that was you know not a <laughs> it was a yeah, not a good experience that's for him. not your average wake-up call it's not okay no. seven in the morning i'm gonna go oh shit i'm in a grave yeah and and now to see him back in this position and to think of the the i don't know just to see not to even think of it to see the panic in him yeah. And and I'm like I I keep on banging this drum but I'm still like Michael kept Dean drowning the whole time that he was possessed and then this is just uh, the same verse repeat, you know? He's just in a different format of it, but it still is that trapped underwater sensation. Yeah. And uh, uh, Dean's phone is dying and then it goes black. Yeah, and he's calling for Sam. He's calling Sammy and he finally wakes and he finds his hand is bloody and they're in a motel room and Sam comes out from the bathroom like, oh, I'm sorry I woke you up. 
Yeah, yeah. So it was all a dream. Psych. We have a psych yeah, moment. Yeah, we get the best of both worlds. <laughs> Bad dream. Yeah. Did he scratch? And his his nails are still bloody. And I didn't actually notice that on the first watch. Um, yeah, he was scratching the wall there. But I'm like, what kind of angle was he pulling? Yeah, I thought that was weird as shit. But was he like maybe on the floor? But again, that would be noticing to Sam. But it's like, how do you work that angle? Yeah, how did, how did, I don't know. Yeah, It's for it the was... dramatic. Feel yeah. the emotions. And so, yeah, Dean says to Sam that it was a bad dream, and he just doesn't want to talk about it. And Sam still tries reaching out to him about, you know, it's okay to be scared. And Dean's like, yeah, no shit, I am scared, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. And Sam, Sam just, again, he sees that button and he's like, if I push it, will it make Dean stop? Because he's saying, like, this is going to be worse than Michael. Like, it's worse than death because of what Michael can do to you while you're there. And Sam is still insistent that there's another way. There's got to be. And Dean shuts him down. Um, but you're right. He's pushing that button. He's like, oh, man, Sam... Uh, he through the whole episode, multiple times through this episode, his refrain to Dean is Think um, about how bad it's gonna be. Yeah. And oh my god, it's so it's so like wincy to me, but uh, I don't know, Sam just keeps pushing that button. Yeah, like again, I I feel like we're gonna talk later about what kind of mental strategies uh-huh. were going on between all the characters here, but it was a really rough button to see pushed when you can tell that Dean is visibly shaken from the dream that he just had. Yeah, and and even later, here and later, uh, Sam is like, I know you're scared. And then as soon as Dean, like, kind of pushes back on that... Says, yeah. <laughs> it, it, he says, yeah, but it doesn't matter. So I guess Sam didn't get the response he wants. So he doubles down and just starts being vicious. Like, ugh, ugh. But I don't think he even sees it as vicious. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm this. I'm getting uh-huh. into this later. And I am ripping into <laughs> it. Uh-huh. Um, it's a small note before we move on to this. But I, t- for a second, it took me a bit to place where they were. Because I was like, this seems like a really big motel room. I was going to say, it's nicer it was... than their usual fare. Yeah. Oh, wait, and pause. I... OOC-ness. Yes. I, have a, I have a bingo square. Sam's OOC-ness <laughs> and how he is treating his poor brother. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, I felt like the motel room, it was really big and it was really blue. So I'm like, ocean vibes. Oh. And that was it. Oh. I just thought it looked kind of nice, but... <laughs> I thought it looked nice, too, but it was very blue, and I feel like that was intentional with the dream. Oh, my God, I hate you. Yeah, no problems. Uh-huh. Should we go on to the next scene? Yes. Okay, cool. I'm... <laughs> we're we're, we're speedrunning through this one. We're clipping through. Are okay? we, though? Are we, though? <laughs> but... <laughs> you, you let me know, okay? We start off with this woman who is bound and gag. And she's whimpering, and a man, he's pouring salt into this large industrial vat. Yeah. And he hoists her up and sets her inside. He grabs a knife, carves into her arm, and then dunks her. And he just has this dead-eyed, middle-distance stare as she drowns, and there's these whispering voices around him. Yeah, how... uh, uh, how, How is prolonged torture scene not one of these bingo squares i mean come on guys 
There's got to be something violence-related on there. Is there? I don't see it. Yeah, we need something violence-related. No. Classic Buck Lemming. We have this extended, violent, horrible, just uh, death scene. And, like, we don't have any context for it yet. So it's just, it's violence for violence sake at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not and there's great. this real focus on the fact that the water turns red with the bloodiness, and we then have she to dies. watch him like drown her in yeah. excruciating detail. It's horrible. It's awful. Yeah. I hate it. Let's move on. Okay, sorry, that's Let's not see. fun. We're being fun this episode. Let's. Remy, I don't like going. to dwell on this scene either. It was really hard to watch. So, yeah, carrying forth, carrying forth. We have Nick awakening in an emergency room hospital. And there's this cop that brings him some food and sasses him. And it's noted that Nick is wanted by at least four jurisdictions. And they're all quibbling over who's going to take him. And Nick is doing a little bit of commiseration for the fact that Lucifer, you know, he left me, but he changed me. And the cop is just in his face about using the Satan defense. Oh, my God. And And so, so Nick, the first thing Nick says is what went down None of that was my fault. Um, and and then the cop, uh, oh my god. Okay, I'm uh, circling off really bad stereotypes. Yeah, there we go. Because this cop hey, comes you punk. Hey, Jail's you gonna p- be worse for you than this food. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Who am I? Is that Boston? <laughs> that was perfect. I think it was Boston, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, super bad stereotype. This guy, this cop comes in and he's just like, I, I can't even I can't even attempt at the He at left the, his cockies in his cockies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, but Nick says it it none of that was my fault and um the cop lays into him some more about, you know, all the things that he did and how he's going to pay for it. He's like, "Oh, it's Lucifer's fault because my family died and so really if you think about it, it wasn't me killing those people. It was history." Yeah. I'm squinting at the screen like <laughs> is this the logic I'm believing from him or yeah or is this just we're looking for the opportunity to bring up Nick's relationship with Lucifer. Yeah, and he pulls out the he says, you know, I was chosen by Lucifer and then he pulls out the family card and we get a single manly One tear. One manly tear. <laughs> and then and then we move on. Yes. Yes, we carry on. We are now to this exterior location. The Impala has parked because Dean presumably needs the bathroom. And he (laughs) is just double checking that Sam is on board still. And Sam says that he and Mary hate this and Cass and Jack don't even know yet. And Dean kind of shrugs it off by saying he's not good with the whole big goodbyes. Yeah, and he says, I don't need to get shaky on this thing. Yeah. And Sam's like, okay, but if you're shaky, like, that's a good thing. Why don't you just lean into that one? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that, I I don't know, I like that. He, you know, he wasn't even going to say goodbye to Sam, right? And and he wasn't going to say goodbye to Sam because he didn't want to get shaky on this thing. He, I just liked here that we extended that also to uh, Cass and Jack. Yes. Yes, I agree. It was nice to at least hear why he's trying why he kept the scope of this knowledge so small. Right, right. Yeah. And 
like you say, he can't get shaky on it, and Dean pauses, and he asserts that it's the only way for them to handle the Michael situation. And so as soon as he leaves for the washroom, Sam calls Cass. And I'm like, oh, Sam's going to tell Cass. I'm, but I'm it's so even excited. Better. But it's even better. So Cass already knows. I love it. I love yes. it. Yes. They're in cahoots in the background. I'm like, oh, I love whenever Sam and Cass get to be like bros. Cass already knows. And the first thing he asks is, did you talk Dean out of it? Um, and, and Sam just says, no, keep looking. And they go into what Cass has been doing to try to solve this. Because, you know... Uh, 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 Sam is playing babysitter to Dean. He can't really look into it. He's just... Yeah, he can't be obvious. No, yeah. He's just trying to uh, make sure that Dean doesn't <laughs> hop into the fucking ocean when his when Sam's back is turned. So he's relying on Cass to be his, his you know, eyes Research wingman, yeah. 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 And Cass is saying, like, okay, <laughs> you're counting on Cass, but he's having no luck. He can't find anything in the books about extracting an angel and destroying it, let alone an archangel. And he's asked Rowena to check out the Book of the Damned, and she cussed him out when he asked her to just <laughs> double check. Are you sure you didn't find anything? <laughs> well, the woman has a remarkable command of profanity. Oh, that was beautiful. It was. Good, great delivery. Yes. And Cass says, Sam, we don't have anything. Maybe if I spoke to Dean, but Sam shuts him down. He says, no, I, I, I've it never. It won't matter. Yeah. It won't matter. I've never seen Dean like this. He is, he, if, if we do not present an alternative solution, we're going to lose Dean forever. Yeah. Dean's going to be gone if we can't find a way. Yeah. Okay. Another speed run. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So. Now we have another scene. Man is stalking just this other person, this other dude. Um, It's kind of thundering outside. It's dark at night. And the next thing we see is he's dragging this dude into another industrial room. And he's quoting the Bible as he puts on gloves and he rolls the dude onto a drop cloth. He cuts the man's throat, then curves into his chest and there's voices and thunder. (laughs) <laughs> and so we're getting some sort of religious ritual vibe here yeah yeah uh and the the last thing that this guy says as he's hearing his voices and he raises his face to the heavens he says i am the lord so we're like okay how is how is oblique reference to scripture not one of these squares oh man man you'd think we need a we need a buck lemming 2.0 bingo 2.0 Ooh, kind of boring is the free square <laughs> There we go. There we go. Okay. All right. I need a drink. Oh, guys, this Jim Beam is not being kind to me. This is fucking... I've been drinking this whole time. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So, woof. Let's go. Next scene. We get to see the Impala and how they're actually hauling this Moloch box behind it in a trailer. Uh-huh. I was wondering about that last episode. I was like, okay, so you want to drop it into the Pacific Ocean, but you choose Minnesota to be the place where you build it. Like, you're going to be paying a shitload of gas, I guess, is it? <laughs> oh, they nice. have it. They're just hauling it along. Yep. They're, and- they're puttering. <laughs> uh, we, we haven't, I guess we haven't turned around yet, but I, I have some, like very i have some big problems with like the u.s geography of this whole sequence of events through this episode but right (laughs) there oh i okay so did he say he did say last episode did he say the atlantic or the pacific he said the pacific okay so they're going west all right 
Yeah. But they're going to take a pit stop in Iowa. But we're not there yet. Uh, okay, yeah. And Nick was last in Minnesota, I would assume. Like, they're not going to drive him out of state to treat his leg. Uh-huh. But he's in Minnesota. Yeah. And then he heads to Pike Creek. Waiting for extradition, I think that's the term. Is no. that within the states or, like, is that between countries? Oh, right. I don't know. It, it would be extradition between jurisdictions. Uh, Look at all those words. Yeah. Sounds right. We're detectives here. <laughs> Been doing this at least 10 years. I don't know. So, um. Impala. Oh, trailer. Impala. Driving. Trailer. Driving. Uh, Dean in the dark. And he is at the wheel. And Michael is banging on those doors. We get yep. the Michael bang bang scene. Yep. That door is ring-a-dingin'. Oh. And Dean flinches a bit. And he, once he recovers, he glances over to Sam in the passenger seat. But Sam's not paying attention. He's looking yeah. at his tablet. And so Dean kind of has a moment to collect himself. And when he does, he decides to bring up their childhood. Yeah, of course And I'm like, I'm taking a shot whether or not that's on there. (laughs) Like, I just need it personally. (laughs) Let me see. No, no. I'll tell you if I I tell you something comes up. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Do we still limit 20 seconds on this one? (laughs) We, uh, you know what? I don't think we're going to have much else to talk about this show. So This is the best scene as far as I'm concerned. Uh This is the one that... Spoilers! This is going to be my takeaway, Remy. All right. All right. I'll I'll think of something else. No, no. We can... (laughs) No, I don't have... Chicken parmesan, eggplant parmesan, this one. Do you ever think that I have any idea what my takeaway is going to be before we record this damn thing? Never. We and- hit this one and I'm bubbly enough that I'm like, I'm dibs in this one, right? Fucking no. <laughs> okay. If you can't think of one, I'm sure I'll come up with something, but... Mm. All right, all right. Yeah. yeah. Dean brings up their childhood. Like, hey, do you remember what it was like when we were kids? And Sam's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh-huh. And Dean, he seems almost a little choked up. Like, he's doing some nervous tics where he's, like, wiping at his face as he's speaking. And he says, I know I wasn't always the greatest brother to you. Which I'm like, Dean, you were the best of us. Dean. And and Sam's like, hold on a second. I'm going to let Remy talk for a minute. (laughs) Exactly. Sam comes straight to Dean's defense because... Dean, what are you even talking about? You were like, and this is me paraphrasing Sam, but yes, this is Ruby speaking. You were the the only thing that made that protected Sam. You were you did the best you could, and everyone knows that it was. What do you when he said, "I know I wasn't the best brother." I was like, "Oh my god, what the hell do you think you're apologizing for?" I'm freaking out. He's he's dwelling on all the shit that he would consider his subpar moments, you know, yeah. because he wants to be on his A game every single minute of every single day. And it's impossible, but it's not the good that he dwells on in himself. It's always his shortcomings and where he has perceived failures. Yeah, because his bar, again, it's like you say, it's impossible, but that doesn't stop him from setting that as his bar. And every time he doesn't hit it, he's like, okay, I'm filing that moment away as under my regrets, and then we're going to keep going. (laughs) And he is kind of trying to follow up on that and saying, like, okay, I know things got a bit dicey with dad the way that he was. 
and Dean had his own stuff. Like, he's apologizing for having his own issues that didn't allow him to wholly concentrate on Sam and Sam's upbringing. And then he apologizes for not always being there, and he's asking Sam to understand that when he wasn't there, it was because it wasn't because he chose to leave. It was because his dad sent him away, which this is new information, kind of. I know, hey? Like, well, it's one of those things that we can be suspicious of as much as we want when we're setting up um, backstory or when we're thinking of what these characters have been through. But now we have, like, Dean explicitly saying that, yeah, he would get sent away when John was pissed at him. And we, okay, I'm circling unfortunate implications because, <laughs> because, ah, uh, that one line where Dean says he's apologizing, right? And my first question is, what are you apologizing for? Because Dean, you were the best brother. But then he brings up John and, and he says, I know that things got dicey with dad. And that one line just, uh. Mm-hmm. fucking galaxy brain because what are you implying there what and like, like he is what he is apologizing for is the fact that he could not shield sam from all of john and it's something that we talk about a lot just something that is kind of something that we can infer about how abusive john was either physically or you know Good old emotionally. (laughs) Yeah, emotionally. But here we're laying it out pretty explicitly. Um, I don't know. I he doesn't say anything, right? This is why I'm circling. Unfortunately, because because he says that um it tended to look like Dean was taking John's side because he was just trying to keep the peace in this house. But Okay, now, again, implications there. It's like there is some heated argument and Dean has to go with John's side if there's going to be peace to keep. Like, this isn't a democracy is what this is coming out to be. Like, if Sam and Dean were on the same side opposed to John, cool. Then they're both wrong. Like, Yeah. Oh, 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 I didn't circle shirtless torture. All right, there we go. (laughs) Victim number two had his shirt torn open. Yeah. I'm counting it. Yeah, I'm working through this flask at a at, yes. a at a pretty good clip. We're gonna need to speed this up. <laughs> okay, we're on like ten minutes in. Oh my gosh. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. With John, was there anything else that I mean? Uh, really, just the way that Sam seemed almost upset that Dean was bringing this up. Like he said that he left that all behind. He had to leave that all behind him. They both get a bit teary eyed here. Yeah, and, like, Sam's taking this as deathbed apologies, but I feel like Dean is really trying to apologize. Like, he's really looking for forgiveness to those failures that he's held for, like, 35 years. He's running through, you know, he... This is a regret. That's, exa- that's exactly what it is. It's a deathbed apology. And and Sam... Can uh, we not? And yeah. Dean being like, okay... Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's nothing that Dean didn't say to Sam. Uh, let's not think about it. Don't 
let your emotions get the better of you. Um, I don't want to talk about it because if we talk about it, then it sucks. You know, this is a shitty situation. But I'm like, Sam, this is a vulnerable moment. Like your brother is showing that he's thinking about the consequences of his choice and what it's going to be like, at least from a selfish aspect for him. Like he's knowing that he's going to leave and not be able to talk to you again. And he doesn't want there to be any bad blood blood or anything that he's going to dwell on for the next eternity being like, I really wish I could have said I was sorry to Sam about it. And Sam's just like, this is way too uncomfortable of feeling and I'm going to push it aside. I don't know how I felt about how Sam reacted here because I thought that he was like, because he was just deflecting in the same way that Dean's been deflecting, but it didn't, I don't think it necessarily fits. His deflecting with... was more like, you don't have to apologize. But I'm like, that's yeah. very true. But Dean will not see it that way. So, yeah. like, that approach, I feel... I mean, by the end of the scene, it doesn't feel like there's any tension around this. So I think that Dean definitely did hear a bit of what Sam was saying. But it did feel like there... Sam was definitely doing his part to try and reassure Dean that there was nothing to apologize for. And I just worry, I suppose, that Dean is just someone that maybe the apology worked in this moment, but 15 minutes later when the buff runs out, he's going to be back to thinking that he owes an apology. I would think that it's more... um... Sam tries to reassure Dean that he has nothing to apologize for, but that's not what Dean is looking for. He's not really looking for um, reassurances for himself. He's trying, he just, the act of getting it off of his chest, the act of trying to put onto Sam, you know, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to not be there for you. This wasn't the upbringing that I wanted you to go through. Like, I I tried to protect you from it, and I just couldn't. And I think that he just wanted Sam to understand. And I think that's why it was, in Dean's eyes, a successful apology. But Dean is not, on the flip side, going to accept any redemption. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they're both, they're both like, it's just going straight over their respective heads, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of common ground being found, but at the same time, like, there's icebergs, there's so much below the surface. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We uh, are back at the hospital. Yes. Nick is praying, and yeah. the cop comes in and sasses him for it. Ah, <laughs> uh, he says... Um, well, what Nick is saying is, please answer me, answer me, you owe me that, at least. And and the cop comes in and says, oh, praying to God's not going to help you now, buddy. Uh, and Nick's kind of like, yeah, no shit, I'm not talking to him. Uh-huh, we know who's talking to, but, uh, Nick sasses, uh, well, no, Nick doesn't sass back. Nick says, I got a tinkle. Yeah. Can you? And the, <laughs> the cop's like, here's the bedpan. Uh-huh. And I'm just Nick Dignity, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Nick does not want to pee in the bedpan. He wants to stand up. He says, I, I, I'm in cuffs. You have the gun. You I have, have a bum leg. Yeah. What am I going to do? Have some compassion, man. I'm like, that's never a good argument to listen to like a criminal or like a murderer know, say right? like, what can I do to you? I'm like, plenty. I'm sure of it. Uh-huh. But the cop... Uh, begrudgingly comes over, 
unlocks the cuffs from the uh, hospital bed railing, and the second that those cuffs are uh, undone, Nick headbutts the officer straight in the nose. The officer goes down, and and Nick, I don't know, kicks him a bunch. Nick Nick kicks him in the face and knocks him down to death rattle status. Like he's still alive, but that is a terrible sound as he's breathing. <sighs> Uh, but he bare kicks foot. him though with his bare, bare foot with his bum leg oh with his bum leg really yeah Holy the shit. leg he was shot in he kicked this cop down all right i was gonna save the continuity error square for uh for the profit bullshit but hey here we go continuity error <laughs> fuck yay I, okay I, I, i'm gonna I have... run out of this drink before we get to the end that's all right. You can get another. I think you're having more fun than I am, though. <laughs> oh, darn. I'm two away from a bingo, but I don't think I'm going to get this one. Well, uh, hope springs eternal. We'll see where uh-huh. we go. So, yeah. He kicks the cop. He goes, grabs his clothes, and he shuffles on out of there. He's done. Yep. And then we're back in the Impala. And here we find out that Sam has found a case for them. And it's on the way. It's at Fort Dodge, Iowa. And, you know, if we can help, shouldn't we? And Dean's a little like, okay, you're looking for cases? Like, you realize that's not what this is about, right? But he kind of warms up to it. And he likes the idea of, you know, one last case for the Winchester boys. And I'm like, when have you ever thought of yourself as that? (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. Wait, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Flat one-liner. Got it. Remy, slow down for your own sake. Nope. <laughs> yeah, and um, and Sam's like, really? You had to bring it there? Really? But he says it, you know, it's kind of good natured. A little teasy, yeah. Yeah, a little teasy. And and they're like, uh, and so, so yeah, they're going to take this case, and Sam starts to go into the details of the case. Yes. There was a victim a couple nights ago, and then one just tonight. The one from before, they... Like, the cops, would they really say, like, bloody salt water, or would they just say, uh-huh. like, water? But- yeah, and then and then on the bloody salt water, um, Sa- Dean says, like, seawater, and Sam says, yeah, but there's no sea, and, and, uh, I- I'm glad that that was explained to us. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so, there's the bloody salt water, there's the quote-unquote graffiti on the victims, and Sam pulls up the picture, and lo, it is Enochian. Yes. Yes, it is. And did we um, call cast right here, right now? No. Or... Okay, okay. Because I didn't know if we knew what the Enochian was, or did we just say, oh, that's Enochian, oh, this is definitely a case, let's go, and then zoom off into the distance, you know? They know it's Enochian, and from a, the next scene, we get the, well, we know, or we get the impression that Sam is able to read the Enochian that's going on. Ah, because right away they are doing their FBI personas and they've gone to talk to the latest victim, Alan, his twin brother, Eddie. Yeah, it's daytime now. We're in Fort Dodge and uh, we're pulling out the FBI badges. Yeah. And Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie's and big brother sob story. 
I want your thoughts on how they decided to introduce us to Eddie here because they have taken the FBI personas and like we see from Eddie's perspective, the door opening, and then we just see Dean, even though Sam's talking. Yeah. So Eddie only opens the door halfway and we're kind of seeing it from Eddie's point of view. And we only see Dean. You're right. Sam is covered by the door. Uh, what what am I supposed to get from that? I don't know. I'm like, because that choice there, I was like, is it choosing to show like one half of a quote unquote whole? Like, ah. we're, we're seeing Dean, we're not hearing him. We're hearing Sam, but we're not seeing him. Is it just like this incomplete elements? Like, well, they should have put they should have put Sam in in Dean's place and just have seen, you know. But are we visually now seeing like what we're going to lose? You know, I don't yeah. know. Is there a metaphor? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, please, I would someone say, smarter than me, tell me a hidden metaphor. I don't know if if we're playing that smart because. As we hear out Eddie in in this scene, as we're learning about mm-hmm. Eddie and the the victim Alan, um, we get Eddie's big brother sob story, yes, and so heavy handed with just the in case we weren't sure, yeah. So Eddie says, you know, he's he's crying on on the couch, and uh, Sam's got his sympathy face on, and Eddie says, you know, we were best friends, we did everything. Together. Together. I can't believe he's gone. He you was know, my big are... brother, even though it was uh-huh. only four minutes. And I'm like, four minutes, four years. Yep, I'm drawing the lines. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Well, again, 2012 Tumblr. I'm like, here's my essay about the door fucking being open. Uh-huh. Just by four minutes, but he always said he was my big brother and he always looked out for me. Blah, 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 blah. Um, losing him was like losing a part of myself. And I didn't think it was going to be this hard. I could never have known that it was going to be this hard to lose my brother in this way. And Sam and Dean. And it's just, and they're both like, I don't know. Sam, like I said, Sam has his sympathy face on, but but Dean is kind of like, uh, just. And again, like the camera here, what it's doing is like, Eddie is a blur in the corner as he's talking. We're looking at Sam and we're looking at Dean. So we're. Okay, we're like, yeah, I see the dots and I've drawn uh-huh. the line. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So now Sam brings up that it wasn't graffiti on Alan's body. It was actually an ancient language. And he translates what it says to I am the word. And in not so clear of terms, just goes like, are, are you guys religious? Do you know anybody who's religious? Yeah. Um, Eddie says, no, we're not religious. Uh, Andy, I mean, Alan wasn't really religious. Most of her friends are just, you know, Easter and Christmas Christians, um, except for one guy. Yeah, their their friend Tony. And he started getting a little weird. And I, I was having trouble placing what time frame was going on here. Because they said that Tony started, like, quoting scripture and just really getting into religion. And when Eddie goes over to the mantle, he picks up this photo that shows Tony and he has a tattoo on his arm in Enochian that says the word. Yeah, and again, like, the timeline. I'm like, 
he says here's a picture of tony before he got too weird and it's tony and alan and and tony has that enochian tattoo and i'm like did he did he start hearing his prophet voices and then you don't have to be religious to be tapped as a prophet right so like why would he have that tattoo i was sitting here i'm like who gets photos developed in this day and age in that generation like it would if he had pulled up his phone and be like actually and then like swipe to the picture i'd be like okay i can i can get anyways i'm nitpicking but still i'm like what kind of timeline are we working on because what we hear about donatello later says only a couple days and we know that tony's behavior i mean spoilers not spoilers was heightened in the last couple days so i'm like what was happening before then yeah Oh, well, spoilers, not spoilers. I've been dropping the word profit for the last, like, ten minutes now, so. (laughs) Whoops. Profit and loss is the title. If we can't use the word, then (laughs) we've... Who are we as humans? So, yeah, we kind of settle on Tony as the suspect of the moment. Yeah. And so Sam and Dean leave the house, and they're kind of bouncing back and forth about what this could be, you know? It's... Could it be an angel? I mean, if it's an Enochian killer, but Dean's saying, like, there's not many of those around and, you know, it could just be a person. And so they decide to call Cass. And by they, I mean, they sit outside the Impala. Sam looks monstrous in the passenger seat. <laughs> hey, I loved the framing of this I really show. loved it too, but I'm like, it just reminds you of how tall he is when yeah. he's sitting there. And like his knees are like up to his shoulders. I'm uh-huh. like, oh my God. Uh-huh. Uh, we have we have uh, Sam in the passenger seat. He's uh, sitting with his legs outside the, the car. So, um, and, and Dean is down by the, you know, by the, uh, the, Oh my god. The passenger rear. Yeah, the passenger rear. Sorry, the rear was the word I couldn't pull out of my the car butt. head. The car butt. Um, by the passenger rear and he's leaning against the Impala and he calls Cass. And and Cass answers the phone and Cass coming for my life with his, oh, his He just so jumps. Happy. Dean is so glad to hear from you. He's, yeah. Oh my god, smiling. It sucks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, he's just leaping at the chance. Oh my gosh, like we're talking. And Dean's taken aback. Like, okay, like yeah. what has happened to garner this? But Cass is just running his mouth here. He's like, I'm so happy you're on a case and like, ergo, you're not following through with your stupid plan. Yeah. And oh my God. Uh, Cass just outs uh, Sam immediately. Yeah. And- and, and, like, Dean's face as this is going on, he just looks over at Sam like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and Sam knows. He, Sam's, Sam's not looking. <laughs> Sam's got a little busted face on. Um, but Cass, really, he just couldn't let this opportunity pass, right? Because he says, at first I was like, oh, Cass, just so oblivious to the social norms that it was supposed to be a secret, so he, you know, inadvertently busted Sam. But no, Cass says, I know that I'm not supposed to know, but 
like I said, basically, I can't let this opportunity pass. I have to take, I have to say something. I, you know, I, Cass has Dean on the phone and Cass said just earlier, like, let me talk to Dean. Maybe I can do something. And this is his chance. And he's, he's not going to let it pass just because, um, you know, Sam wasn't supposed to tell him. But I was like, was this Cass's strongest foot that he could be putting forward? Because he really felt like overeager puppy as he was talking. I have, I have so much salt everywhere. <laughs> okay, talking about salt, should I mark this as something easily interpretable as queer baiting or something easily interpretable as Dean Cass? Hmm. No, not. I don't think it's as. I, I don't think. I don't think we've reached those levels of blatantly gay yet. So no, I'll no. Leave it. And I'll like, leave it I it, it wouldn't be queer baiting. No, no. Uh, so I don't know. It was really. It was really nice to see Cass. So it was. He was effusive. Like he was just light, and I'm like, we never get to see him like happy. I was like, holy shit! Watch out for the empty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, he seemed really happy, but it, it, this is an odd time to be, like, thrilled to just have Dean on the phone. <laughs> yeah. At first, would it be like, oh, it's my last chance to talk to you, and then, oh, you're taking a case? Oh, thank God. But I'm like, what logical leaps you were taking there, son? And it brought you to this little bit of the conversation. <laughs> So yeah, uh, like mm-hmm. Dean realizes Cass knows and Sam told him and he says that his plan is fine and Cass is like, nope, it's a mistake. But oh um, Dean is really just, I have shit to do right now. He mentions Tony Alvarez's name and Cass says that he's the next prophet in line after Donatello. And he he really wants to push and discuss Dean's plan with the Pacific Ocean, but Dean is very like, not right now, I'm busy, and goodbye. Yeah, he's like, not, yeah, just not right now. Yeah, we can talk about it later. We, we got to focus on this case. We got to figure this out. Thanks for your help. Bye. But he does, okay, well, he does say, you know, it was, it was nice, nice to hear talk. your voice. It was nice to hear your voice. Not even, it was nice talking to you. Not even, like, okay, fuck you. That's something easily interpretable as Dean Cass. <laughs> it was nice to hear your voice? What the hell that, is that? Well, okay, Cass was like, it's so good to hear your voice. And Dean was like, it's nice hearing from you too, or something like that. I didn't write it down. One of them said it's nice to hear. No, okay, no. Cass I, says no. it's so good to hear your voice. No, no, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Damn it. That Okay, that's something that I would accept Cass saying, but Dean just says it was good to hear from you. You juked me, B. You juked me out. I did not. I'm going to mark you, you put- down for queer baiting. <laughs> no, I don't. I'll, I'll leave that one blank for now. <laughs> for now. So, yeah. Dean just is looking at Sam and Sam, Dean, it's Cass. I had to tell him. Like, it's a no uh-huh. fucking brainer. Uh-huh. Exactly. And it, Sam is just uninterested in Dean's stupid reasons for not telling his family. Yeah. And so they start speculating about the nature of a prophet. Like, Sam kind of says, okay, like, there's no background check to being a prophet. So who's to say that, like, a killer didn't get tapped to be the next one? But if he's getting tapped, how? Because, I mean, did Donatello die and we just didn't know about it? And I'm like, okay, that's bad checking up on your friends right there if you didn't know. I know. I know. Well, we have Dean 
he says, let's find out. And he pulls up his phone and he calls um, a Dr. Rajad. And he says, hey, it's Dean Winchester. I'm calling to check up on Donatello. And we only see, we only hear Dean's side of the conversation. But he says, yeah, uh, yeah, we've talked before. Just checking up on my uncle Donnie. And, and Dean says, he's, he's still alive, right? I know. <laughs> And and he, we get a little nod from Dean, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, let us know if anything changes. Yeah, and he hangs up. Like, Bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just thought I'd ask. Um, and, yeah, so he's still, he's still alive. He's still, still kicking, kicking. So, so it doesn't really make sense that there would be another prophet up to bat when Donatello, as the current prophet, is still alive. Yeah. So they still have a bunch of question marks around this theory. But hey, they know Tony is the likely suspect, so they go to his house. And it's at nighttime, of course, when they break in. Uh And they're out of their fed suits. They're back to their good old flannel. And um, scoping out his place, and Dean finds a room, and the walls are covered with Enochian. And there's also some pictures up on the wall. And Sam finds on the table some victim photos, too. Yeah, total psycho murder. We get like room. seven vibes, like yeah. Oh my gosh, it's like, well, okay, so we have the psycho murder room, and and then there's writing on the wall, and with lots of uh helpful Enochian to English translations. So yeah. we don't have to do much work. He's got he's got the scribbles on the wall that actually say all of the verses that he's been yeah. murdering people to, I guess, mirror yeah. from the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's what he's been hearing in his head, supposedly. And the the photos on the wall, they're also kind of like, okay, so are these going to be future victims? And like you said, Sam's reading the wall. He sees all of this um, Bible verses. And they settle on this one photograph of the first victim. And she is on this box that, invisible writing, there's a Sphinx machine shop. Yep. So they so have they a... have a location. Yeah, but we cut to Tony and victim number three. Yes, there's a dude strung up and Tony with a gas can. Oh my gosh! And we saw on the wall about the fires of God and yeah. the cleansing fires of God. So we know where this is going. Um, yeah, joy. And this guy is strung up. He's pleading with Tony. Um. Tony is just doing his vacant-eyed uh, recitation, yeah. Um, yeah, and and he and he is uh, putting down a gasoline path to his captive. Yes, and he says pain becomes salvation, mm. and then he lights this gas trail, and I'm like, it is, it's moving way too slow for fire. Oh, I, oh, one second, someone is held captive and needs to be rescued. All right, there we go. All right, drink up. Fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna run out. He lights the fire and it starts crawling along and the guy starts yeah. screaming and... Do people not know how fast the fire fucking moves down a string like that? Faster okay. than that. Maybe the city folk don't do it, but us country folks. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Did the Winchesters count as a uh, duas machina? Mm, nah. They do show up right at the perfect time. Eh, 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 eh. Can I count Because... Them? 
You have to be my do judge it. here. Do it. All right. I'm counting do it. Do it. Because Sam grapples Tony to the floor and Dean, he smothers out the fire and he cuts down the dude and then tells him Tony to run. Kinda, yeah. Get out of here. Goodbye. Yeah. And then Tony is kind of subdued, so Dean punches him and is basically berating him, saying that whatever you heard, it wasn't God. You're not chosen. You're just a psycho. And I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And and you know what? I hated all of this. This is really bad, like, dialogue. But whatever. So Dean says, whatever you heard, it wasn't God. And I'm like, okay, then, like, what is it? Uh, like if he's hearing voices if he's hearing like prophet voices then like what is he hearing and why is he killing people for it yeah i have a lot of thoughts about the fact that they chose to go with this killer route like i yeah when i first heard of like the preview type thing for this episode like the the description that you gave i was thinking more along the lines of okay so donatello's in a coma and so the next in line for profit making whatever is scrambled. And so what I was picturing was like everyone who was down the line who could possibly be tapped uh-huh. would have all been like quoting scripture or like just kind of in this flux of being tapped or not. Not like, because what about being the prophet makes you want to kill? Like, I know. What, what about that scenario says okay, now he wants to kill. Like, if you're just having Bible quotes show up in your head and you're like, okay, these all have to do with retribution, God's wrath, all of that stuff. Like, how far does it have to go for you to be like, okay, cool, I'm killing people now. Give me give me a uh, Kevin, give me an Anna who started hearing these voices and, yeah, got a little scrambled from it, but didn't you know, went, they went cuckoo, but, yeah, but I didn't like, kill people. I was thinking, like, okay, there's shit that you could have done where, like, maybe it's Donatello's um, consciousness that's now being snatched in between all of these different prophets. Like, I just, I just felt like there was so much room to play with the concept that I was really disappointed to find this whole prophet mismatch. And now they're killing people. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty lame, honestly. And it didn't make sense, you know, for the prophets. Uh, um, uh, Dean lays into this guy. He says, you weren't chosen. You're just a psycho killer. And I'm like, he lit- was literally chosen. Yeah. He's <laughs> literally next in line. He was He was literally chosen. Like, what, what the hell are you even saying? Whatever. Yeah. I, I, I have a lot of frustration about the way that this played out. Because, like I said, there's so much interesting unique ways that they could have gone with it and we just went the blood and violence route again yeah blood and violence i'm telling you i need a new i need a i need to make a buckleming bingo (laughs) 2.0 but yeah so tony hears this and he just starts going like no 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 and um so he kind of tackles dean grapples away one of the guns and he's holding it and all of a sudden Sam and Dean are alarmed and they're like oh shit like hands above our heads and then no right nope Tony uses it to kill himself and I wrote down ain't that convenient (laughs) oh 
Well, yeah, they, uh, he gets the gun, um, both Sam and Dean try to placate him, but, you know, he just- After being like, you're not fucking special and you're not listening to God and you were just killing people. Yeah. BT dub, don't kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, no, 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 cl- close but no cigar. Um, man, okay, we're back in the Impala. I mean, that's it, that's it. Like, there's nothing else to say about this, and I- I no. Because they're driving. Yep, yep, yep. Sam's on the phone with Cass, and they're speculating, like, okay, so the next profit could also be this way, like, that basically there's a glitch in the profit code now because of the way Donatello is. And like Cass says, that the natural order's been upset, and so profits might be getting called before their time, and he even says, like, premature malformed profits because Uh of Donatello. And I'm like, that's a really bleak view to put as like, okay, we have a person who is in a coma and now they are warping people. So we have to kill the person or like, like, cause yeah. they go and say like, how do we end this? That's what Sam asks. And Dean says, you know how. So I'm like, what kind of th- like, hmm? I'm telling you from like this point of the page down, every single one of my notes ends in like an all caps, like, but, uh, okay. So <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Basically. No, no, no. So, Sam, okay, let's bring it back up. Let's bring it back up. This is not healthy. We, <laughs> Sam says, um, so, well, Tony was just the next in line. So does this mean that as long as Donatello is alive, then this is going to happen to the next prophet and the next prophet and the next? Um, what is going to stop it? And Dean says, uh, you know how we're going to stop it. And and I'm like, okay, but Dean, you were the one who was all like super mad at Cass for having uh, yep. blasted Donatello out in the first place. Yeah. Oh my God. And you're like, well, we, we've been paying his room and board at this nursing home also, for like the last a year. Also, nursing home? And you don't have someone on life support in a fucking nursing home. They have a specialized doctor there, obviously. Get your shit together. Dr. Rashad is there and he's fine. And when they say, <laughs> like, let's pull the plug and then they push a fucking button and they're like, okay, looks like we did it. I'm like. <laughs> and, okay, 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 wait. Okay, no. Oh my no, God. we're fine. We're coming back. We're coming I'm taking back. a shot. Let's go back. Let's go back. Nick breaks in. Was that was that the end of your can there? <laughs> you know, no, no, no. My can is still there. I feel like this episode is killing me. Nick breaks into this old house. His Pike Creek home. We see very soon that he's getting these flashbacks of his old life, and we are to infer that this is his old Pike Creek home. Yes. And it is conveniently empty, but with the power connected. <laughs> You can't see my face, but you can guess it. <laughs> oh, I, I can hear it. Yes. And so as he's having these flashbacks, he feels a chill. There's a glass frosting over, the cupboards are pounding, the lights are flickering, and behind him is a figure speaking to him. And, you know, so we get the chill in the room. We get the frost that completely covers this mirror. And I think that you want to talk metaphor... That's a fucking metaphor. So this frost starts crawling up the glass of this mirror and it totally obscures Nick and Nick runs his fingers through it. He turns around and um, this woman steps out. And before we hear anything from Sarah, uh, uh, 
uh, Nick's wife, Sarah, um, when I saw that frost on the glass, mm-hmm. it was, I think it was a direct parallel to, um, uh, season five, Lucifer's, um, little trick uh, that he, he did the same thing when he was possessing Sam and he frosted the glass and he, and he was giving his little, you know, most would say I run hot, but mm. no, I run cold. So oh. that frost... And frosting over the mirror that Nick was looking into and obscuring Nick and then Nick, you know, putting his fingers through it. And just how, like, you know, Lucifer did yeah. on the window of that high rise in Detroit. Um, it, that makes so much more sense for what follows here. Because yeah. I was like, how how was when he turned around and he saw the figure there, he goes, Lucifer? I was like, how is that his first time? But like you're saying, like that would evoke back to that. And and um, Lucifer initially came to Nick in the form yes. of his wife. So Yes. So, but I'm like, how was seeing your wife, you're not, your first guest isn't, hey, is that my wife? You're like, hey, is that someone who is pretending to be my wife? Like, that's got to be an exhausting life to lead. Well, well, that's him showing his hand, right? This is what follows in this whole sequence. This oh, is the, yeah. It, and like, she's so mad. Right. She's like, it's Sarah, your <laughs> wife. Nick turns around. He says, is that you? And I'm like, uh, is it? The, this, I have some salty feelings about how this is a totally different actress as uh, the They original wouldn't Sarah. be able to get the original one because she went on to scandal. She was playing the president's <laughs> wife. Like, but, that's some grade A shit going on there. Oh my god. Well then, it just didn't... Oh, whatever, it's fine. I, usually I don't care if they sub in an actor or an actress, but oh my god. For the first line to be, is that you? I just fucking laughed. It was like, it was like a, it, it was an accidental, intentional kind of joke at the fact that we're using a different actress. <laughs> and... um. Yeah, so let, let's run through the logic that she's laying out here, and then can can we look at that bingo about continuity errors again? <laughs> because she's held by unfinished business, which is essentially her unsolved murder. And then Nick says that he never thought he'd see her again, and, like, he's so sorry, and she's like, no, you're not sorry. And Nick tries to explain how he found justice for her. And it's a long meandering story, but she says that her unfinished business is also because of Lucifer. She saw that night how he chose Lucifer, wanted him, and how he still does. And she wants him to reject Lucifer so she can find peace. Is this queer baiting? <laughs> oh my god. This, this is Nick... He just wants to slide back into that angel condom status again. He just... So... I'm... I'm... I said those words. I'm gonna go wash them out with soap. This, Excuse me. I'm circling awkward dialogue. Um, this dialogue is so... Mm-hmm. Weird. Like you said, the, the, the conversation just doesn't track. Uh, Sarah starts off with this, I'm held here by this... Uh, and I'm not even going to get into the whole ghost thing i want to you i'm not letting you leave without getting into this. you can put words to it because i don't even know what just tell me when tell me when to pull the trigger i fucking will 
<laughs> so Sarah initially says, I'm held here by my unfinished business, my unfinished business being my murder. And then Nick, uh, like you said, lays out, oh, I, I found justice for you. And and then she says, well, actually, that's not all. Uh, yeah, that was the part A, clause C. I need you to move on to like the next clause here. <laughs> I have right. a fucking contract keeping me here. Oh my god. She also says, I'm so, I mean, Nick says, I'm so sorry. And then she just comes straight out with a no, Nick, you're not. And then doesn't follow up on that. It, right. It's so, it's so weird. Um, so she says, she's also, she, I guess, I guess didn't like you know it, it just doesn't make sense this unfinished business that has to do with nick accepting lucifer yeah How i mean that? she didn't even frame it as like are you okay i just need to know that you my husband the father of my son are free and safe and and that you it, it was straight up like i'm passing you a note in sixth grade that says do you like me or do you like lucifer and you can only check one box it was so weird she says show me i'm wrong reject lucifer right now and i can finally be free i can finally find peace and whatever and he goes i can't and was there like three manly tears this time oh yeah he's like he's weeping he says i can't i can't i can't do it i can't reject lucifer i uh, uh he's part of me and it's like all the struggles that I had with Nick's seeming about face in the last episode, it's all coming back to me because the last one he's going, I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. And like, this is just who I am. I like killing people. And then this one, he's like, I'm so sorry. I just, I was doing it to find justice for you. And like, so there's so much gray area this back and forth between is he doing it because he wants to communicate with lucifer is he does he even feel betrayed because of lucifer like that seems to be just fucking glossed over there's just no again nick's story just does not track there's so many different threads and we're tugging at them at different paces and it's just not keeping the tension the way that you would hope for this story to be woven Oh my god. Um we uh, so so Nick can not reject Lucifer when his fucking wife who he quote unquote has been trying to find justice for is saying like if you do this it will give me peace. And but you know what? I hated this scene. I hated, I hated it, it a lot. Not just because oh my god. Um, here, you pull the trigger on your ghostly feels. Thank you. And I'll pull the trigger on my Sarah feels. Okay, do you want to go first or should I? Nope, nope, you go ahead. Okay, I am sitting here, I'm like, when have we seen spirits that are like this old, this attached to a location, that they are coherent, that they speak about, like that they speak to people? Because insofar as I can tell, the vast majority of spirits are not coherent. They are just machines of regret 
or vengeance or like some primal emotion that holds them in place. And the whole thing about a spirit is that they are tied by something physical. So you can go and find the the piece of hair. You can go find the doll or whatever it is that they're attached to and burn that shit and let them go. And here she is. She's like, no, no, I'm not attached to the physical. I'm attached to an ethical, like moral position. And I really need you to believe in this sentiment in order to let me go. I'm like, this is... This is a lot of smelly stuff right here, and it smells a little bit like bull. <laughs> I mean, okay, so there's two... I'm going to call on two ghosts here. Um, so there was Bobby, who was attached to his flask, and he was very aware of himself. He went vengeful. He went a little feral. Um, uh, uh, but he was definitely the most, like, aware spirit that we've ever seen. Um so that that was kind of like this, like she was aware of her unfinished business, but she was. Tired. But how? Like I I'm know, like, at no, least Bobby bad. has the history of knowing that there's spirits there, knowing the mechanics of it. So you can at least do a bit of hand waving and say that when he died and became a spirit, that there was some knowledge transference there, and said no to the Reaper, and also which. Like, oh my God! It's fine. <laughs> Carry on. No, no. I, just, I, I, I assume that to become a ghost, you have to, like, you know, reject your reaper and stick yep. around. Um, yep. Which, I mean, I Why would Bobby? Why, no, why would... We know how, why Bobby did. We had an entire episode dedicated to why Bobby did. Um, but Sarah, I don't know. And then and then going in on Nick and how he accepted Lucifer, like, it was just, I don't it know. It just feels so grade school. Like, oh, yeah. say that you don't like him. Say that you like me. And I'm like, Sarah wouldn't, like, what kind of agency are you giving her character when all she's focused on is her husband and his boy toy? Like, oop, oop, oop. Is this sexism? Can I mark it off? No? Mm. No, okay, fine. Um, and then also... If there was sexism, I would put it at the first victim because she straight up was just, like, whimpering. She wasn't fighting back. She was just very, like... She was held. She was carried. She was put down nicely in the water and then, like, didn't struggle while he cut her God. arm open. I'm like, that was... I was like, mm. I can't she, even, I can't even mm. mark it because I hated that scene so much. I mean, it was just it was such an uncomfortable scene. I'm I out of respect for that character that never was. Oh, I won't mark her, the sexism tile on that one. But on the waist of a perfectly good character, which is my bingo. Yes, it is. There yeah. we go. Waist of a perfectly good character. Um, Sarah. Okay. Yes. She just. It was the weirdest, like, straddling of the line of, you know, it wasn't even a straddling of the line because she just came into the scene and then she just started attacking. She was very antagonistic. She came in as a plot device. She came in for the sole purpose of pushing Nick away from his choice, you know? She made the choice easy. She she was the wedge between herself and Nick. Like, h- how do you make a character do double duty where they're like, I'm going to use me to drive you away from me? It, it was so bad. She came in, and, and the reason why the dialogue in the scene was so awkward and so stilted and so ingenuine was 
because it just didn't make sense for any like wife i guess like, was was she just hanging around so that she could bitch at nick for saying yes exactly and you know what you know what they could have done they could have made it vengeful okay they could have made her violent vengeful spirit we would know we would connect with that with within the we continent. died because you said yes exactly exactly no she was just like talking and on the waste of a perfectly good character we could have done this right right we could have had nick confronted with the spirit of his wife and and the resolution of it all was for nick despite it all to turn away from her but we i'm not gonna say we made it easy for him i'm gonna say it was lazy yes it didn't ever feel like an actual conflict for him no it just felt like a moment that was going to cement what his character, what suspicions we already had. And it just, like, the character of Sarah didn't add anything to his story. It was attempting to show what we were kind of feeling. Oh, what was the episode? Like, six? It was, yeah, yeah, s- seven, I think. Yeah. If there was what they were trying to show at seven, where we saw him kill Frank Kellogg, even though Kellogg wasn't the actual culprit behind um, his family's death, it was just the vessel for the demon at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said at that time, like, I want to keep killing. It, he just broke it down. Like, it wasn't justice that was driving him anymore. So, I'm like, what was the point of this part here? Was. It, it feels like those elements that came before in this story, like we said before, they were just pulled at the wrong tension. They weren't woven quite the way that makes them work effectively. And they brought in Sarah here and she wasn't used effectively. No. She just came in to, like you said, be the wedge between her and Nick. But it was done so woodenly. Yes. I, I, I can't. It didn't it's feel fine. like a person who had like been married to this man, who had a child with him, who had love and affection. It just felt like... And, okay, it's been 10 years or whatever since she died, so maybe there is more coldness to her, but all of these things weren't communicated. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, if you had brought her in as a vengeful spirit, then, then that would have been so much better if yes if 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 she had shown those like violent vengeful spirit tendencies like if she had had some driving force behind her resentments then and instead of like a reject lucifer and then i could go have it be like a stay with me type thing Uh and have him go no i want to go find lucifer like it just could have been, there's six different ways that it could have been done better. And and I was kind of, you know, we actually, uh, there was a lot of speculation around. Um, we knew that we were going to bring back uh, a character from Lucifer's past, right? Yeah. Um, and there was so much speculation. Is it going to be Meg? Is it going to be uh, Sarah? Is it going to be... Uh, I don't know. We There was a lot around what that meant that we were going to, uh, what it was going to look like to bring back someone from, you know, that far back, that season five Nick Lucifer mm-hmm. time. 
And then they brought back Sarah and it fell so flat. And it was honestly, it was just disappointing. But, 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 what's next? So, sorry. Nick, Nick's hesitating. He won't do it even though she's begging him. He just says, I can't. I'm sorry. And then Sarah, she goes, you are him. You doomed me. And like, you doomed yourself. And he goes, I know. I'm sorry. Like, it's just the saddest boner that he has for Lucifer right now. And he leaves by saying he's going to go wherever it's darkest, wherever he is. I'm like, again, Nick's back at his emo face. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, my God. I'm just imagining what if Sarah, like, had Teddy and she was kind and it was just one big happy family and then still Nick yeah. turned away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, basically, what emotion are you trying to evoke here? Because you had a mishmash and it was the kind of different harmonics that were canceling each other out. Like, you, you didn't have them all on one frequency. Yeah, we didn't offer... For, it, it wasn't a choice for Nick to make, right? We didn't give him the choice to, like, choose his family over choosing Lucifer. We just drove him away from his family into the arms of Lucifer, I guess. And so there was no, like, choice to be made. So there was no, like, big moment. I don't know. It... It was something that I saw with my eyes. <laughs> and, well, Nick is crawling off into his dark hole, apparently. Yes. Yeah. And Dear we go diary. to... Happy Days Nursing Home. Sam and Dean are talking to Dr. Rashad. Sorry, Dr. Rashad. Yep. Yep. And they're going down the hallway, and Dr. Rashad is saying, um, uh, you know, you're making the right choice. Um, I I know it's hard, but sometimes letting go is the right thing to do. Yeah. And Dean's, again, like, it feels heavy-handed, because Dean's looking at Sam like, hmm, tell me about it. Sometimes letting go is the right choice. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe my brother can listen. Oh, yeah. And I just, there's this look at Sam, and Sam has, like, this petite little bitch face back. (laughs) And Dr. Rashad's like, hey, it's so coincidental that you guys are here the same day Dr. Novak's visiting. And... Oh my god. Uh, Remy, pick yeah. up from here. So, Dr. Rajad says, um, you know, it's, it's good fortune that you're all here at the same time. And we have a split second moment of we're all here. And, oh, hello, Dr. Novak. Doctor? <laughs> doctor. doctor. <laughs> and, yeah, we have the doctor, doctor moment from the Winchester brothers. And- yeah, and Cassis swapped out his tan trench coat for a white doctor's garment uh-huh a doctor's coat a stethoscope <laughs> and he says oh yes i'm familiar with mr winchester and turning to dean the other mr winchester mm-hmm. and and you know what it wasn't until this exact moment that i even had the thought but okay dr rashad um he seems familiar with this dr novak right and i'm thinking what if Cass has been coming to this nursing home as, like, a personal physician for uh, Donatello, and he's just been someone who's come to check up on Donatello? Yeah, that he's a known face around here? Yes, exactly. As someone who has... Uh, what if Cass has been going to visit to try to correct 
his wrong, you know, to or at least to just like keep, yeah, to keep, um, keep him, keep him. He's an angel. He can, you know, brain dead or not, he can keep him comfortable. And uh, I, I don't know. And also, I have a lot of thoughts about the whole brain dead thing because we totally throw that out the window. But. Yeah, and they're like, oh, if you guys could have done this, like, you guys just straight up gave up last season. You were like, nope, he brain dead, goodbye. Toss him in the trunk, we're driving him off to happy days. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, so they ask, so after we have brought Dr. Novak into the hallway, uh, Dr. Azad uh, goes on to say uh, some things about Donatella's current condition. Um, uh, Dean asks, so nothing unusual and and Dr. Ajad is like, oh, no, just the usual, you know, the occasional muscle, uh, muscle spasm, the occasional babbled words. And I'm like, that's not what brain dead means. No. You don't speak when you're brain dead. And, like, they normally have him intubated. And yet for the footage that we see from Sam later, that's like, oh, we took the, in- the intubation out just so that we could listen to him speak scripture. Yep, yep, that's a that's a little bit ahead. But um, Yes. So Dr. Rashad is like babbled words and they you know, ears pricked at that, of course. Sam and Dean are like, What words? And um Dr. Rashad says, Follow me. And Sam and Dr. Rashad go into Donatello's room, but Cass holds Dean back and we yeah. have this conversation in the hallway where Cass confronts Dean about his plan. Well, initially Cass is bringing up how he regrets what happened to Donatello yeah. and he wishes that there had been another way. And Dean's like, yeah, I know that feeling. And Cass is like, no, you cannot compare this to your suicidal plan. I'm like, okay, so we can use these metaphors like two or three times earlier in this episode, but here we get Cass finally lampshading it. Yeah, yeah. He says this is not remotely the same thing. This is insane and suicidal. And and Dean says, I'm not going to talk about this. There's something to talk about. It's, it's yeah, he, going to Yeah, he's like, happen. we'll talk about it later. And, and Cass goes, okay, so there's not going to be a later. So is this it? Like, is this goodbye? Yeah, he says, is, is this goodbye? And Dean doesn't say anything. And oh my God, shot to the heart, Cass's face. He just, he looks like he was just slapped. Yeah. Because that's because what Dean did. He just. Exactly. He slapped him with uh, this disregard. And, and it's just, it's just, you know, we see everyone around Dean fighting so hard. And, and Dean just can't meet them at it. Well, and we talked about how this season Cass really came into his own in feeling like he's part of a family. Like he is no longer being derisive necessarily about himself. He seems to be comfortable in the fact that he has a place. And then here is Dean and how he's behaving. And Cass is just basically being like, okay, so I wasn't even going to get the courtesy of you saying goodbye. And... If you keep on, like, this is the second time this episode where Dean's like, now we'll talk about it later. We're not yeah. talking about it now. And Cass is just being like, okay, so there's never going to be a time we talk about it. So this is it, really. This is the last time we're going to talk. And I think that kind like, ooh, if Sam had waited, like, another mm-hmm. minute before coming out, I you could feel that Dean was bowing a bit beneath this. They're both just waiting for 
the other two break on, you know, is this really it? Can this really be it? Yes. And with the way that Sam was trying to break through to Dean at the end of last episode, this is almost the same thing for Dean again. Like, he didn't want to have to face Cass or Jack and explain what he was doing. And then this is him finally face-to-face with Cass and Cass, like showing not just saying but like showing how this is affecting him and i mean dean wasn't able to handle it very well when he sees sam reacting to it and he's not handling it well here either no no but um you know Cass doesn't get to press the issue because sam interrupts Uh, it's okay sam it's not your fault uh but sam comes out (laughs) of the room and he says so dr rashad um he thought that Donatello was coming out of it. You know, in the past few days, he's been more active than usual. Again, not what brain dead means, but they thought that uh, Donatello was going to be coming out of it. And um, so they uh, took a video of, uh, they took a video. Anyways, Sam holds up a phone and he shows Dean and cast this video. And it is Donatello in his hospital bed, um, chanting Enochian. Yes. And I think this goes back to how you were saying earlier, like, okay, you don't bring, like, a victim in a coma to a nursing home. So, like, maybe this was just, like, doctor protocol here. They were like, yeah, oh my god, something weird, let's put this on YouTube. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know. It was, I don't know. Uh, And, um... But it's it's what we needed because uh, it turns out that this Enochian that Donatello is speaking is uh, uh, of the same ilk of the uh, scripture that Tony was hearing. And yeah. And he, he, you know, so Donatello is sitting here talking about the the cleansing fires of God and the Red Sea and the Egyptians' firstborn sons. And um, so Cass, seeing this, he comes to the conclusion that Donatello's mind is trying to repair itself. Um, and it's just trying to put in order all of his prosthetic... Proth- uh, memories, memories, or I like guess. That. Yeah. Um. Again, we're just saying words like they are supposed to mean something. Yes. But. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Cass is very encouraged by this by this new development. Even though I have no idea why this would result in Tony going out and killing people. But um. And like, how is it happening now? But anyways. And uh, Cass says, I, I think I can heal him. And um, Dean says, well, I thought there was nothing left to heal. And Cass says, well, this is a spark of hope, right? Yeah. If there's a spark, a hope, I have to try. You taught me that. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he drops, yep. he drops that line. Yeah. Um, and it no storms big deal. into the, I know. Oh my God. Storms into Donatello's room and tells Dr. Rashad to get out. Yeah. They just kick him out. They're like, this is my house now. I know. They're, uh, Dr. Rashad is like, oh, I thought you were going to turn off the life support. And they say, nope, not yet. If there's a chance that he can fight out of it, then, um, then we're going to take it. And we cut to commercial break on Dean saying, nope, we're 
taking this shot. Yeah, like Dean of all fucking people. Yeah, we have all three, Sam, Dean, and Cass in the room, but it's Dean that says, nope, not yet. Yeah. So then we cut to Sam and Dean waiting, and Sam saying, you know, if Cass isn't right, then where does that leave Donatello? Like, trapped in his own mind. Like, Uh, we're doing metaphors again. Yeah, I know. Again, it's just, like, like, this... This episode is just one line over and over and over again. And I just don't, uh, it's whatever. But, um, so Sam is saying, yeah, if, if Cass has to succeed, then, um, Donatello is going to be trapped in his own body somewhere between life and death for uh, all of the rest of his life. And we're like, okay, we get it. Um, yeah. Coma, Moloch box, same thing. Got uh, it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he says, it's just hard to think about someone being stuck in that position. And Dean says, then don't think about it. Like It's like, were you not thinking about this for the last fucking year while Donatello's been in the coma? No, because it wasn't convenient to your current emotions. Yep, yep. Um, D- Dean says, don't think about it. Whatever's happening will happen soon. Yeah, and Sam fucking Sam again as soon as he gets that Dean pushback he's like oh well it's easy for you to say like no it's fucking not like Dean's trying to have this case sera sera attitude because it's what he needs to keep moving like Sam just being like okay so like you don't want to think about shit and it's like no like I am thinking about this like again why why was the belittling there yeah, um, just... I think it is trying to build to Sam's later frustration outside, but it it's it didn't track clearly for me on the first watch, and I was still kind of struggling on the second. Yeah, yeah. I, it just, it seemed unnecessarily cruel. But Dean does call him on it when Sam says, oh, well, that's easy for you to say. And Dean says, no, it's not easy, but it's the best I can do. Yeah, nothing's changed. Like, uh, this is what I gotta do. Oh, my God. So then Sam and Dean go to check on Cass. And he's mojo working over Donatello. And they're like, what are you looking for? And (laughs) Cass is like, something. And then he finds something and brings Donatello back. Yeah. And there, Donatello is awake. Um, I guess. Uh, He seems awake. Um, he's looking around and then we have the weirdest sequence. Yeah, because like they bring Donatello back and then they're like, well, we got to make sure that he's really back. So let's turn off the machines. And I have like, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> Dean, probably. <laughs> no, it's like Sam turns to Dean and is like, uh, oh my God. So Donatello wakes up, right? And Dean says, oh, Donatello's back. Let's turn off these machines. But then Sam, like, it's the, it's, it's just poor, poor Jared who has to deal with this dialogue that he's given. But <laughs> it, it was, it reminded me of the, a key must open a lock. <laughs> Sam turns to Dean. He's like, no, it could kill him. And... <laughs> Dean's just like, oh, well, there's one way to find out. Yeah, <laughs> if he dies, he dies. And and Dean presses a single button that turns right, off and the that's machine. all it takes. 
And again, Donatello is like aware, right? Or he seems aware, except the second that we push the button, he starts to fade. We get yeah. this kind of like weird uh, soundtrack zoom in on the heart monitor beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Beep. And then we get that gasp resurrection moment from Donatello. Um, yeah. I said Donnie takes a nap and then searches awake. <laughs> it makes no sense. Dr. Rashad comes in and is like, whoa, like medical miracles are happening in front of me. Oh my god. I- they never showed us this in med school. I, I'm still just like... I have uh, just over three lines on my notebook is this is so bad in all caps. There's so (laughs) much medical bullshit going on here that they're hand waving (laughs) because an angel is involved. But I'm still like the angel is involved in finding, quote unquote, something in Donatello's (laughs) mind. And then they were like, it's up to God from here. And it's like, well, you know, that's not good. So Donatello is definitely aware now. We see from Donatello's point of view him trying to focus in on his surroundings. He's looking at Dean. He's like, Dean? And and, and Dean looks good. Yeah, he does. It's a good shot. But <laughs> Thank you, Thomas J. Wright. Uh, Dean and Cass as uh, Dr. Rashad is, um, I guess, doing a little physical check of Donatello. Dean and Cass have a aside where they're trying to figure out if um, oh, Dean asks, so is is he okay? Is it him? And yeah. It, it, it's not the evil, you know, possessed Donatello him that, you know, got us in this position in the first place, right? And Cass says, no, it's him. He still doesn't have a soul, but it's the regular Donatello. And they're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, the thing that got me was, like, okay, so Donnie's eating Jello, and at first you're like, okay, like, his hand is moving in um, not a straight pattern, and he seems a little zoned out. And so that's where they're like, is he okay? Uh Like, do you you want more Jello? And then he just, like recites oh yeah i want like extra creepy speed buffalo wings and i want this extra sauce and blah 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 i was like holy shit and then they're like maybe he's possessed <laughs> like well, that was dean's reaction was like is he is he okay i don't i don't okay quick salt round but donatello is a buckliming creation or a, a buckliming play toy chew toy chew toy um so I, Donatello is usually written as the kooky professor prophet guy who has a bucket of chicken in his hands at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, bad stereotypes. Oh, if only I could circle it for a third time. <laughs> Who's stopping you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but Don doesn't remember anything that happened to him, and so Dean tags Cass to fill him <laughs> in. I was like, that's that's nice. That's appropriate, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, I wrecked your brain, and then a year later, I fixed it. The end. The <laughs> year. Uh, and and uh, as Dean tags Cass in, he exits the room, and we next see him exiting the nursing home, and it's nighttime again, and he is approaching the Impala, where um, uh, Sam is solo with a six pack. Yep, he is drinking in quote unquote celebration. Except tomorrow they're back on track. With Probably feeling Dean's about plans. how I am right now with that six pack. <laughs> Are you doing okay there? 
Oh, I'm fine. A, a real fine or, <laughs> no, a, a, real... or a radio fine? <laughs> I know I'm a real fine. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So Dean is trying to be a bit light about it. He's saying like, oh, you know, I'm going out on a high note. But Sam is salty that Dean is throwing in the towel. And that after everything, including following each other to literally like hell and back, that it means nothing. That they're throwing away faith and family. And he throws out this line of saying like, they're the guys who save the world. They don't check out of it. Yeah. And Sam just doesn't want him to quit. And... They don't know yet what's going to save the day, but they will find it. And just, again, we're using Donatello as a metaphor here. They were able to help Donatello because Donatello didn't give up fighting through his coma. And, and you know, this uh, square isn't going to get me a bingo, but it will get me another drink. Scene <laughs> saved by fantastic acting. Yes. Because... Holy shit. Oh my god, Jared knocked it out of the park. Um, I... Okay, so, gonna be honest, when I first watched this episode, um, and I haven't watched it since, but, uh, until today, but, um, Sam starts laying into Dean, all those frustrations are bursting out now, and, um, when Sam first, you know, gave Dean a little shove, um, I was like, what, what? And then he, and then he pushes harder, and I was like, uh, uh, okay i was just like i, I you and lost me there honestly him. yeah you lost me there i um, was like when was the last time that these two were like physically violent with each other i thought we were over this when was the last time they were physically violent with each other like in all seriousness was it season three when we are season two when we first introduced gabriel as the trickster or you know not even gabriel as the trickster but just the trickster when they got in a fucking like pillow fight because of the pranks that were going on like when was the last time that they went at each other there's I- gotta be moments since then like i'm trying to remember in my rewatch of season seven if there was anything over amy pond is that the fucking name yeah it is actually <laughs> oh my god because i always put amy pond with like doctor who and i'm like i don't know enough to fact check myself uh-huh it's but both. I, I feel like there was like again it was just like a verbal altercation with each other i can't i just felt like they were past this and i can see that if you're in a heightened place that I don't know. It just felt like a shorthand in the writing to show how mad oh, yeah. Sam was. And I'm like, I would rather not have had that shorthand. I mean, honestly, it's like, it's not even that I couldn't accept that Sam was getting physical with Dean. It's that I felt it didn't fit with like, yeah. with with what was happening. And I was just like, oh. seriously, like you said, it was just a shorthand in the writing um, that was that escalation in you know the dialogue um and is it like here we want to talk about like just how kind of scattershot the characters approaches to each other were because i feel like it this is like the culmination of it let me yeah but on the on the second watch the watch that i did watch today because i remember I think that we talked about this, and oh my god, listeners, I, I'm so sorry if if we're stepping on toes, but I remember coming out of this episode that everyone loved it. Oh my yeah. god. 
everyone loved this episode. There, it was all over the place. Um, there were just, you know, good reviews across the board for this episode. And you and I were like sitting in the wake of it, looking around like we're in like <laughs> some alternate universe here. Because what did we watch that was so different from what you guys watched? I, I, I honestly like. I remember coming to you post this episode and we were both like walking on tiptoes like it was it was it was it was okay, right? It was yeah, like this was like, pretty good. And how, then how did you like it? Yeah, how did you like it? feeling out each other like because we knew and it's like, can I be salty for a moment? And it was like, oh thank god. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I will say on this rewatch today, um, this this ending scene, it it um, I I did see what everyone else saw in this scene. Jerry did a fantastic job. Um, the dialogue didn't ring so like hollow to me this time around. I think that I was just like mad, kind of coming into it at the end of this episode when I first watched this episode, and I was just primed to dismiss it. But mm-hmm. on this rewatch, I did like this ending scene. Um, like you said, I do think that it was pretty scattershot. Um, but it came out good, I think. Um, I don't like that Sam was doing the shovey and then the and then the punchy. Um, just because it just seemed unnecessary. And yeah. it's not even like, I don't like the fact that they got violent with each other for the sake of them. I mean, just for the sake of, oh no, no violence. It just didn't fit. It, I still, I just don't Yeah, it, it felt like going from zero to 100. And it was yeah. like, you, you could have done some steps in between there. And honestly, like, I was just laughing my ass off when I first watched this episode at this whole dialogue. Because I'm like, what are we doing? We just went from zero to 100, right? And it just felt disingenuous and weird. Um, and I was just, I thought it was humorous, not tension filled. And I was sitting here really struggling with the fact that I'm like, if this is what it took to get through to Dean, like, why weren't you pushing earlier? Like, this to me felt like it was in the very similar tone to what we were experiencing at the end of episode 11, where Sam was trying to emotionally reach out to Dean and, like, plead his case. And Dean was so adamant that, no, I'm sticking to what I'm doing. And then this episode, it felt like it went back and forth where Sam was either trying to needle Dean about his decision and point out how it was dumb, or he was trying to placate Dean and saying, like, no, my hands are tied. You have to work on the research cast. That's the only way we're going to get him. I just feel like there was a bit of muddying again. I that agree. Perhaps I just have a taste for things being, like, quite streamlined or quite smooth. All those elements tugged tightly together. But I was just really feeling like, if this is what it took, why weren't you at this level earlier than this? Like, and why was Dean on board with trying to save Donatello when we had him in the car on the way over being like, you know what we got to do. And then Cass is like, hey, I have a Hail Mary to try. And Dean's like, if we have a Hail Mary, we have to try. And I'm like, where the fuck is this coming from? This is Sam's line, not yours. Yeah. You know what? I I don't think that Dean as a character um, wouldn't, you know, take this chance, try to get the win. But I do not like that 
it th- that line was given to Dean. Just just in the writing, you know, part of it. Just yeah. in the storytelling part of it. It it's not that I don't think that Dean would have wanted to go forth and like, oh, we have a chance, let's do it. Um, but it, it for on the storytelling side of things it it should not have been Dean there yeah I agree with that like I don't feel like there was really any decisions being made by the characters that I would sit and be really strung out about saying like why did they do that it was more so that the elements that were beaded together they weren't making a nice necklace you know it was just like it was the choices that were needed to get from a to b as opposed to the path that could have carried us from a to b here in this in this final scene um sam is he says I believe in us, Dean, and he throws a punch, and Dean is shocked. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck was that? And Sam is just saying, I believe in us, I believe in us, and he's getting increasingly desperate, and he's crying. Yeah, and why don't you believe in us, too? Yeah, and he throws another punch, but this time uh, Dean catches him and pulls him into a desperate hug. Yes. And you can see, oh my god, again, Jared's acting. Holy shit. I know. Uh, pretty Jared, I yeah. have written down. He looked good this whole episode. He did. Yeah, he did. Like, A+. plus. Good job. Congrats on your face. <laughs> and Dean pulls uh, Sam in and says, okay. Yeah. Let's go home. Okay, Sam, let's go home. And and uh, Sam pulls away. He's wiping at his tears. And he's, he says, what? And Dean says, okay, let's. Yeah. Maybe Billy's wrong. Maybe. But I do believe in us. And Cass approaches from the nursing home at this time. And so Dean adds on to, like, I believe in all of us. And I'll keep believing until I can't. And so, basically, he agrees to, like, he concedes to Sam's point, but he tacks on this promise saying yeah. that if the day comes where we can't solve this, like, if we reach that push-comes-to-shove moment, you have to accept this as the end and has to promise to let Dean go. Because Dean is almost saying here, um, okay, we're not at that point yet, but that point can come. Yeah. I'm going to give you your Hail Mary moment. Like, find yeah. it for the love of God. But the clock is ticking. Yep. Yep. So we're putting a postpone on the Malik box. Just like we... We're not going to pull the plug just yet. No. Dean put the plan in motion so that he had a good buffer of time. Like, he knows he can't hold on to Michael forever. So he's like, while I'm still strong, I'm going to put this into motion. But Sam's pleaded his case and Dean goes with it. He's like, yeah, okay, you got me here. But he just knows that he's going to weaken as time goes on. And so it still isn't off the table as far as he's concerned. Yeah, and he asks Sam to to not do what he's doing here yeah. now, and yeah. when that day comes, to be with Dean yeah. in what has to happen. Yeah, do then what you can't do now. Yep, yep, yep. Fuck. <laughs> he says, don't hit me again, okay? And yeah. <laughs> Bring, he, uh, he, he just he does this tells... little cheek tap thing. Like, I know. Um, it's so cute. 
the, uh, the caskets in the back seat. We're going to go home. Yep. Caskets in the back seat. Dean gets in the driver's seat and Sam in the passenger seat and we're off. Yeah. And me, I was sitting here. I'm like, how did Cass get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did he just leave his car? <laughs> well, I was thinking about that. Okay. I was trying to find like oh what God. the reason would be. And it was like, because Cass, he was last speaking to Donatello. And so I'm thinking like, are they just going to leave Donatello there? I was like, no, Cass left his keys. So Donatello would have a way to get home. You're fantastic. This is my decision. <laughs> we are ignoring the fucking physical repercussions of being in a coma for so long. Uh-huh. Like, the fucking tendon shortening, all of that shit. Maybe it's like you said, Cass was making the rounds as Dr. Novak. And like, yeah, yeah, just checking on him and then just, like, use a little bit of juice. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're keeping that Achilles heel. We're keeping that tendon nice and limber <laughs> for, for later. Who knows? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that was my thought. Home. They're just like, bye, Donnie. <laughs> you can make it home from here, right? He's like, where the fuck am I? Because, <laughs> like, if they left from Iowa, I'm assuming it's got to be close to Lebanon. We have to... Well, yeah, I don't know how far away Iowa is from Lebanon, wherever they... um, Whatever it was. Something Ridge. um, Fort Dodge? Fort Dodge. I don't know how far Fort Dodge is from Lebanon, but I'd be like... Eh. Uh, did you just like hop down there in the space of a few hours it's a six hour drive holy shit that was some fast googling let me just wait i'm putting in that was just iowa (laughs) for yeah six hours 17 minutes it's 380 miles oh that's nothing all right all right you get you know what writers you get a pass this time they can do it they could do it yeah, so... But Nick, what the fuck was his fucking ordeal? Did he just, like, steal a car and he drove from Minnesota all the way... I'm like, where the fuck is Delaware? <laughs> it's, it's by Washington, right? Holy shit, yeah. That would be, like, a three-day drive. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I'm God. like, what kind of time zones were they dealing with? I guess I guess Nick doesn't have to adhere to the A-plot That's time. true. He can work on his own timeline. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of like derailed you from from what you were saying on you know just the weird way that the characters approached uh this whole Dean issue, both with Cass and Sam. That and scatter- Dean. And Dean. Like Dean's, you can't change my mind, but please don't try and change my mind because you'll change it. Well, I mean that's pretty true to life, you know. We we have. I mean, there's only so much conviction that a single person can have. Like, when you have everyone that you love, he's not made of stone, and he knows that he's not made of stone. No, no, I get that, but it just, it felt very, there was either you are with me and you can't talk about it, or if you do talk about it, then I, like... It, it was like the element that was used at the end of the last episode, which was, you are either helping me with this or I'm doing it alone. We didn't have that threat at all in the air this episode. It just felt very much like Sam would prod him for a bit and Dean was acting like he was unshakable. But there wasn't any, like, do you want me to do this on my own? I was like, what stopped Sam from pushing until he got his way? 
Was he afraid that Dean would bolt? I mean, that's why he was sticking around. I just didn't get that sense that he was afraid of that. I didn't feel that threat at all. And, like, that that's fine. But, again, it's just... It's like you're saying, all the characters are making choices that are the characters' choices, and I wouldn't really sit and go with anyone as being, this is horribly out of character. But as a narrative, the yeah. elements aren't dovetailing. They're not no. the notes carrying each other to new heights. It's a quick salt round but um this whole this whole episode <laughs> oh oh you mean I'm this whole so episode? sorry but yeah. like <laughs> no we're fine we're fine we <laughs> we're okay. it had to happen eventually uh, I know this this whole season was so good I was um walking around the house looking for my headphones um right before we started recording mm-hmm. and and I was I was like I don't know. I was like singing the birthday song or something, just <laughs> walking around the house. And my husband was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, uh, uh, this was just a really bad episode. And, <laughs> and like what gets me, uh, or at least what brings me heart is that not everyone agreed. And in fact, there was a lot of people out there who enjoyed it. And so like, I'm very glad oh, yeah. that it worked for a lot of people. And I, I wish I was one of them. But there are definitely elements in here that I really liked. And I think if I sat pieces on their own and just like, okay, that happened, then I I would be able to sit with it and be like, okay, that was okay. But it's just when I sit it as an episode and I go, oh, like, I just feel these, these, the frictional moments that are going on between certain elements. And it just, it doesn't sing to me the way that other episodes have so strongly. Yeah, yeah. And I got I got derailed from my salt round, but what I was going to say is that we started at point A and um we knew that we needed to get to point B and it everything in between just didn't really fucking matter, did it? It it felt like it was fodder, like it was to elevate the struggle that was going on here when I'm like Dean sees his baby brother crying about him dying and he folds. Like, I felt like that was something that would be obvious or, like, quote-unquote obvious. And so the fact that they just didn't It took us 15 minutes to get there. Yeah, and it took, like, Donatello's metaphor or analogy, I should say. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you you got it in one there, Remy. Like, or like we got there. It is that everything that went on in this episode leading up to Sam and Dean finally coming to terms, it felt like it was a meandering route to this element that was kind of obvious. Well, that's how I felt, you know, when we introduced the Malik box. Um, I was just like, okay, well, we're not going to do this. So I'm just going to wait until... Chekhov's box. Chekhov's box. I know. I didn't consider that. But I didn't. (laughs) I didn't consider that. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like, if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, so what does this mean? Like, we just took a detour now away from the Michael struggle. We're going to focus on this. It, it, it just hit me a little bit as filler. Um, but we had some good moments, right? Oh, we yeah. had some good character moments. Yeah, and like, filler's not a bad thing. It's not a dirty no. word. Because we get more character moments when it comes to that. You know, there's this balance between what does the plot need and what do the characters need. And we definitely got a lot with the characters this episode. 
Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what we got from the characters, um, why don't you tell us about your takeaway? Um, my takeaway would have to be <laughs> Sam and Dean, their conversation when Dean was being retrospective and brought up their childhood. That whole bit there. Yeah. And brought up John, right? Um, especially knowing, you know, we knew at, going into this episode that Lebanon is next. Yeah, and we knew who was the special star that was coming on that episode. And so the fact that this episode decided to show John in, I would say, a negative light. Like, yeah. That he would get pissed off and he would kick Dean out. And Dean felt bad that maybe his brother thought that he wasn't in his corner, that he wasn't to bat for Sam all the time because Dean was busy making peace between the two of them. All of those things, you're like, wow, like, this is Dean being more frank about his childhood than we have seen in ages. And uh, let's think about the last time that we talked about John, right? It was episode seven, Unhuman Nature, which is also a Buck Living episode. Yeah. And we had that uh, Dean and Jack moment at the creek fishing, and that was you know, Dean's best memory, right? That was a positive memory. Remy, you can't do this to me. Of, of, of John. And, um. 20 seconds or I'll die. (laughs) And then you have to figure out weird coma shit in order to wake me up. And then to, to follow that narrative up with this, this, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at my, um, a bingo card unfortunate implications <laughs> of you know all that dean is saying about john here um it speaks to the complexity of their relationship that yeah. dean could see these elements to his father and are like these are unsavory or these are things that i need to protect my brother from and yet also those moments where he had with john that were pleasant they shine so brightly for him that there was so much worship that he had for his father and then so much fear for what his father would like how his father's behavior would mold his brother yeah and 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 like you said just when we have these insights on the characters um when we have the room in an episode to just drop these stories or this new information about the history of our characters it we always just gobble them up right yes and anytime anytime we get to flesh out the backstories of the character and get more insight into these times that were not shown on screen it's just chef's kiss like i'll say it once i'll say it again i love Uh anytime it happens Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. What about you, Remy? What's your takeaway? What's my takeaway? Um, ah, uh, D- Jared's my takeaway. <laughs> yes, good one. Jared, Jared serving up the looks. Um, he was no, fucking killer this episode. He was killer this episode, but not just because he's pretty and his hair was really good. Uh, no, no, Jared, you know, got his moment here. Um, I think... I have a lot of feelings, not, uh, like, this is a big salt, um, so I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. You can do a tiny, tiny lick off the salt lick here. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I I, I feel that we don't use Jared 
as much as we could, both within the narrative and um, just, you know, as a actor. Um, and Sam's character really yeah. tends to take a seat compared to the focus that Dean gets. Oh, yeah, exactly. Dean Dean gets most of the focus. Um, and I think that, like, Sam's role in the family is it's so understated and it's so easy to overlook because he really is like the quiet contemplative one. And I don't remember what episode it was, but like John essentially said, he has this firm backbone within him and you don't realize how firm he is until he finds something that he cares enough about to pursue. And so it's like this episode that brings that to focus again, that he tends to be the more contemplative, the more considerate. He's looking at both sides of the thing. And yet when he finds something he's passionate about, that is a line drawn in the fucking sand. You cannot cross it. And he was just struggling with making Dean comfortable thinking that that line wasn't drawn. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, on the familial, his his role in the familial structure, um, he is the one Jenga block that's going to bring that tower down if you pull it out, you know? Um, He is the support. He's the net that catches the characters around. Like, he's so quietly considerate of their positions and just it's almost like a tactical element of knowing how everyone's doing and just trying to keep all of those things going at one time tends to be so hard on him and it's just just the nature i guess the nature of his character or the nature of uh, i don't know i don't want to say the nature of of his character uh, makes it so that he's not interesting to write for because that's just straight up not true i just yeah, think that, that's not true <laughs> i know but at the same time the writers don't tend to write for him he he lends very well to a support role but unfortunately that sometimes means that he just sticks in a support role so it's like you yeah. say episodes like this where he gets to step out and be like, "No, this is something that I am firm about." It's like, "Oh, thank God, we get to see you some more." Like we saw him at the start of this year, it's yeah. the start of this season, the very then, first episode. Yeah, we get to see him do this again. We saw it at the very first episode. We saw it a bit with um, Nightmare Logic. Yeah, we're seeing it here now. And, you know, I just always love to see it. This, this closing scene here. Um, and, and, you know, I, I had, I had some negative things to say about how uh, Sam was approaching Dean on this issue throughout the episode. Uh, but this closing scene, you know, Jared just knocked it out of the park. He really did. And it did, it did really good. It was just really good. Jared yeah. did good. Jared did good. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that's it. I think we made it. We made it! Have you found your Jim Bean resources depleted? I'm not at the end of my uh, reserves, no. I finished a while ago. <laughs> well, you had an easier drink than I did. Yeah, that's very, very true. I am totally going to post a picture of this bingo before <laughs> we air this episode. Good call, yes. Yeah, a little sneak peek promo. So, <laughs> so, guys, hey guys, you still there? We didn't uh, scare you away. 
We didn't scare you away. Um, and and just know, like, we are coming from a place from love. Like, if that's ever in doubt, we love this show. And, like, even uh, yeah. if we are critiquing an episode or maybe had some things negative to say about it, it still is, like, because we can see the light in it and we can, we still are finding joy. I, we had takeaway moments, Remy. Hey, I had a great time. Fuck yeah. Oh, with a little help from my friend Jimmy. No, I had, it was, it was a great, it was, I had a great time. And, um, we got, we want your feedback, guys. Um, hit us up on Tumblr or Twitter or on our website. We have comment, uh, accessibility on our website. Send us an email. Um, give us reviews. Yeah. I mean, we're not pushy about it, but reviews really do help us get to a larger audience. And we really appreciate anyone who takes the time to kind of put a word out there for us. Yeah. That was Season 14, Episode 12, Profit and Loss. We did it. (laughs) We made it. We made it. And we loved it. Despite all evidence to the contrary, we did love it. We always have fun, and we hope you guys have fun too, right? Yes. So if you enjoyed yourself, uh, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes or Google or anywhere you get your podcasts. We love to see them. Uh, Review or hit us up on Tumblr or Twitter uh, or our email even. Yeah. So our Tumblr is No Chick Flick Podcast. Our Twitter is no chick flick pod, and our email is no chick flick podcast at gmail.com. Sure is. So, yeah, hopefully, we will see you guys on one of those sites there. And if not, we'll see you next week. Yep. And next week, as we cover season 14, episode 13, Lebanon. The Lebanon 300th. Episode 300. It's going to yeah. be fun. So, see you guys there. Yeah, see you. Bye. Bye. And here we find out that Sam has found a case for them. And it's on the way. It's at Fort Dodge, Iowa. And, you know, if we can help, shouldn't we? <coughs> and <coughs> Dean's... <Sorry>. Is it <coughs> is it Jimmy? No. No, I just feel like I have something. It's fine. <laughs> it's probably the Jimmy. All right. It's Jimmy. Uh, we're good. <laughs>